Yeah, not one backed down or walked away from their faith. Wow, right? Like, how did that video grab you? I mean, friends, it's my conviction that every Christ follower uh, in a first world nation like Canada should read Fox's Books of Martyrs. You can easily get it on Amazon. It was originally published in Latin in 1559 and then with an expanded version in 1563. One disclaimer, the book is a little bit anti-Catholic as persecution of Protestants by Catholics was huge when Fox wrote. Uh, also, a second disclaimer, it's a little bit bloody, but it is a powerful book. Yeah, I think every Christian should read it. But the stories of Stephen, James the Greater, James the Lesser, and I, and I hope James the Lesser didn't feel lesser because of his name. That's a thought that I've always had. But these stories of these various followers of Jesus, including the 12 apostles and the stories of the followers of Jesus throughout history, of, of men and women who have given up their lives because of their faith, is the reality check that puts our first world problems into perspective. Study these saints from the past, and it redefines what risk is, and it, it sets the standard for what sacrifice looks like. When you study church history, uh, what we call risk today is really tame, and what we uh, call sacrifice, really, when you think about it, it is quite lame. Friends, when it comes to following Jesus, our normal is not normal. We who follow Jesus in first world nations today are pretty wimpy when it comes to how seriously we, we take our faith. These heroes of our faith who laid down their lives for the cause of Christ were, were just taking the words of Jesus literally. Hey, Jesus really did lay down the gauntlet of what it means to follow him when he said, listen to this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Those first followers of Jesus took these words literally. As the followers of Jesus throughout history, as the followers of Jesus today who, who live in countries often under Islamic control that are brutal to Christians, U.S. troops uh, withdrew from Afghanistan uh, almost uh, a year ago. In that short time, Afghanistan has become the least safe place in the world to be a Christian when it had been relatively safe. Hey, I, I'm not trying to scare you all and say we should die for our faith. I, I'm not suggesting that we die physically, but I am suggesting that we need to die to ourselves. We must die to our own selfishness. I, I mean, if Jesus died on, on a cross, we can certainly carry ours today. I want to wrap up our Awesome Power series talking about the awesome power of full surrender, the awesome power of dying to ourselves and living for Jesus, the, the awesome power of truly making Jesus the Lord of our lives. So many of us, we, we've come to Jesus because of the blessings he, he pours out on our lives and on our kids and on our homes. But today, I, I want to tell you, you will not fully experience what God has for you. You will not become fully alive uh, until you fully surrender to Jesus. Uh, you will not experience this life to the full that Jesus has for you until you die yourself. Uh, to quote Mark Batterson, who I've grabbed a bit of material from for this message, he says, it's time to ante up. It's, it's time to go all in. If, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. It's, it's all or nothing. It's, it's now or never. Let me tell you the story of uh, a 16th century Renaissance astronomer, Nicholas Copernicus. 
He, he challenged the accepted belief, really conviction, that the earth was at the center of the universe. Copernicus argued that the sun did not revolve around the earth. He was accused of fake news and suffered at the hands of culture, cancel culture. His teachings were banned by the Catholic Church. But what Copernicus did by suggesting that the earth is not the center of the universe turned the scientific world upside down by, by turning the universe inside out. But what I want to do with today's message, what I'm praying for, is that today many of us would experience a Holy Spirit-led Copernican revolution of our own where we come to terms with the fact that the world does not revolve around us. And as important as family is, the world does not revolve uh, around our family. But right now, when you look at the state of the church in North America, what I'm praying for here at Fort City is one tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. I, I pray that it isn't, but this, might, this message might be a hard pill for some of you to swallow. When we're born, right? The world revolved around us. We were spoon-fed on the front end and diaper-changed at the back end. It's, it's as if the entire world exists to meet our every need. And hey, that's great if you're a two-month-old baby, but if you're 32, that's a problem. Let me give you a newsflash. You are not the center of the universe. To help us understand, let me ask this question. What is sin? At its core, sin is just selfishness. It's putting your needs, your plans, your desires above all else. When we put ourselves at the center of the universe, that becomes sin. Hey, you're, you're here at Fort City. That's awesome. Chances are that means that you do want to seek after God. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you seek him first. You, you come to Jesus to have him meet your needs, which he loves to do, but you haven't stepped into Christ-centered living yet. I'm still at the center, and I'm looking to Jesus to serve me. Friends, you, you really got to ask yourself, is that true of you? Is my Christian faith more about Jesus serving me than it is about me serving Jesus? Mark Batterson calls this the inverted gospel. You say, I have decided to follow Jesus, but in reality, you've invited Jesus to follow you. Yes, you've asked him to forgive your sins, to, to be your savior, but... You have yet to really make him your Lord. You have yet to allow him to be the true leader of your life. I mean, truth be told, that, that's how I came to follow Jesus. As I grew up in church, I knew that I didn't want to go anywhere without Jesus. My grade one teacher in my Roman Catholic school taught me well that, that Jesus was always with me, that, that I could go and walk and talk with Jesus anytime, anywhere. And, and that was good uh, as far as that went. But what I didn't realize is that what I was doing is, is I was actually asking Jesus to follow me. I was asking Jesus to serve my purposes and to do my will. I, I remember as a university st student going to the Urbana Missionary Conference put on by InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, there were 17,000 of us at Urbana in this stadium called Assembly Hall at the University of Illinois Urbana campus. It was like one powerful experience. And I remember towards the end of the conference, the venerable uh, Billy Graham spoke, and he had given, uh, we had been given these cards to respond to his message. Graham asked us to go all in for Jesus, to be willing to just go anywhere. It was a missionary conference, right? Go anywhere in the world, do anything at any time God asks, anywhere, anytime, anything. And did I ever struggle to fill in that card? You see, I had plans. Finish university. Become a high school teacher, 
Oh, and Jesus, this would allow me to give my summer serving you at, at, at summer camp. I mean, that was my plan. It wasn't anywhere, anything, anytime. It was, I have a wonderful plan for my life. Hey, it includes Jesus, so Jesus should be happy with that. But at that conference, I began to hear somewhat clearly something I had heard before but pushed away, that God had other plans for my life, plans for me to head into full-time Christian ministry. God was patient with me. He didn't give up on that call, but I did not give in easily. Let me tell you a bit of the story that I've told several times before. A guy who had played a key role in helping me to become a committed or maybe it was only a semi-committed follower of Jesus was a guy by the name of Fraser McKenzie who had been directing a Christian camp in Muskoka, Ontario. It had been a a life-changing place for me. He moved on from camp ministry and became a missionary or we now call them international workers in Africa. I think it was in Angola. And one Sunday night at camp, uh, it was a camp run actually, worship night in, in the city of Toronto called Praise and Power. We got news that earlier day that that Fraser had been killed in a vehicle accident somewhere in Africa and had died instantly. I was crushed and angry at God for allowing the life of such an amazing leader, such an influence on my life who had so much more to offer to end like that. Even as I began to write this message, I was hit by a, a wave of emotion. It just caught me off guard remembering that night. I expressed my grief and frustration to the pastor of my church, a a Plymouth Brethren man who believed that the supernatural gifts of God, like prophecy, ended after the era of the apostles. But God spoke prophetically through him to me, if only he realized that. But he looked at me with compassion and he said, using chess terms, sadly, a knight has been taken off of the board, but I see God moving a pawn into the knight's position. I I see God moving you into full-time ministry, doing some of what Fraser did. I was not impressed. This was not consoling. Yeah, part of a pastor's job, I get it, is to recruit more people to become pastors. And hey, this guy was manipulating a tender moment in my life to do his job of recruiting pastors. At least that's how I took it. And was I ever wrong? I even became the director of that very camp Fraser directed. That guy was prophetic. But at the moment, I didn't receive that as a word from God as I should have. So shortly after that, God keeps going. It was during my last year as an undergraduate student at the University of Toronto. I I ran into Teresa, a girl that I had helped come to faith in my high school. She has a powerful story of coming to faith and the transformation that happened in her life. Like I hadn't seen her for, for three years. And for those of you who might be familiar with Toronto, what happened was really a a God-led confrontation at the very busy intersection of University Avenue and college just before the Ontario legislature. Teresa looked at me and asked, hey, Doug, great to see you. What are you doing here? And I told her my plan was to move on to teacher's college and become a high school teacher. She then looked straight into my eyes and she began to yell in the middle of this busy street corner, Douglas Doyle. You know that's not what God wants for you. You know that you've been called to be a pastor. This is in the middle of an intersection. And you know when my mother was angry at me? She would call me Douglas and not Doug. Apparently God chose to do the same thing. Anyways, Teresa yelled at me, or maybe it was God. And and then she turned and walked away. That was it. And I've never seen her since. But I tell you, that encounter shook me up. And it caused me to reflect on that earlier word that I had from that, uh, you know, the word I had rejected from that pastor. 
There was one more major encounter God used to call me to head to seminary, uh, to go into pastoral ministry, but I'll save that for another time. But I finally got it. I had my Copernican revolution. My life is not to be about my plans, but God's plans. That Jesus is either Lord of my life or not Lord at all. And so I surrendered. I said yes to Jesus. I, I signed up for seminary and for the past 40 years. Do I admit it? it's been that long? But anyways, yes. I've served as a credentialed worker with the Christian Missionary Alliance doing church and camp ministry. And it's been an awesome experience. I'm not saying that it's been easy. Heck no. But when you go on the adventure with God and, and see God break through supernaturally as you see God over and over again do what's impossible, you just go, wow, yay, God, what a ride. And thank you for leading me on this ride. Like, what a privilege. And it was as I went through this process of God's call to become the Lord of my life that God's call on me was he was to be the center of my life that I grabbed hold of the words of King Solomon and made them my life scripture, uh, the key words that I would hang my life on that I use all the time. You hear me say it all the time because I'm, I'm hoping some of you will grab onto these words as well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. That's full surrender. And he will make your path straight. You can only do that when you're not at the center, but Jesus is at the center. You can only do that when you're not the Lord of your life, but Jesus is Lord. The problem here, particularly in Fort McMurray, but really it's a problem all over the Western world, is, is we want God on our terms. But friends, we don't get God that way. Getting God on our terms, let's call it what it is. It's false religion. It's, it's not really Christianity. It's kind of a, you know, choose your own a la carte religion. It's make my own cut and paste religion. And what we end up with is a false God that we created in our own image. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Ten Commandments, you know, the Big Ten. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. And we've got to ask ourselves, have I broken that? by putting myself before God? Have I made myself God instead of Jesus? You, you really do need to ask yourself that question. Have I broken that commandment, the first commandment, by putting myself before God? The second commandment is similar. It, it says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or the waters below. Again, I think in a city like Fort Murray, in a, in a country like Canada, this is really easy to do. To shape God into something we find easier to deal with, to, to make God into our own image. I, I remember a, a few years back reading a, a Facebook post by someone who was attending Fort City at the time, and, and the post read, my Jesus would never say or do that. And I remember thinking her Jesus might not, but Jesus of the Bible sure would. Jesus has a huge word of warning for you and me. It's about the false religion we've signed up for where we make Jesus in the image of our wants and desires, a, a God who meets our needs on our terms, answers our prayers, but expects nothing from us in return. Here, here's what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words... There are a lot of people out there who willingly say the name of Jesus, who, who call Jesus their Lord, but they do not live under his lordship. 
They pray and expect him to answer, but they do not do what he asks us to do. It doesn't work that way. We want everything God has to offer without giving anything up. We want to buy a little bit of faith, but not at the cost of selling out. We fear if we go all in with Jesus, we'll, we'll miss out on what life has to offer, FOMO, right? It's a lie. It's the same lie the devil told Adam and Eve in the garden. The serpent said to Eve, God, you know he's holding out on you. Friends, the true is opposite. God is not holding out on you. You will only experience life to the full when you choose to surrender fully to Jesus. Hey, you, you can take the words from Psalm 84 to the bank. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. Let me say it again. No good thing, nothing, does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. This is how it works. You yearn for God to touch you at your point of need. You yearn for God's blessing and protection on your life and that of your family. You yearn to experience life to the full. And there is only one way to get there. It's through surrender and obedience. And we must understand that surrender and obedience are awesome because they do lead to the life. They do lead to life to the full. They, they do lead to the life that we all so desire. So that's why Jesus said, you know these words, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and all these things will be given to you, but all these things don't come until you seek God first. There's a sad story in the Gospels of a guy who we call the rich young ruler. This guy was the poster boy for being a good church boy, but in reality, he's a poster boy for the guy who said, Lord, Lord, to whom Jesus said, sorry, don't know you, you're not one of my followers. Hey, this is an important story, so much so that you can find it in three of the four Gospels, three of the four accounts of the life of Jesus. I mean, the rich young ruler had everything you and I think we want. He had money. He was a young man with a future ahead of him. He had a decent position in his work world. He was a boss, a supervisor. He, he wielded a little bit of power. He was religious. He, he didn't reject God. Heck, he went to church or synagogue as often as he could. Sure, he claimed to be keeping all of the commandments, and, and I'm sure he really did keep a, a lot of them, but he, but he wasn't following Jesus, and there's a huge difference. The Apostle Matthew writes, uh, Jesus answered, uh, he's talking to the rich young ruler, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. How do you react to that story? Come on, be honest. I bet some of you think Jesus is being a bit rough on this guy. You're thinking, well, I shouldn't think that way, but you are thinking that way. Like Jesus, you, you just asked for everything, like everything. Why not just ask for a tithe, 10% of his income? Jesus, just stick to the Old Testament standard for giving, but everything? That is so tough. Jesus, that's like unreasonable. But no, Jesus goes for the jugular. He asked the rich young ruler to ante up everything. Why? Because he loved the rich young ruler too much to ask for anything less. You and me, when we read that story, we focus on what Jesus asked this guy to give up, and that scares us, right? But we fail to see what Jesus offered in exchange. Jesus invited this rich young ruler to follow him, to, to step into the adventure of letting Jesus lead his life, of, of experiencing what it means to become fully alive. Jesus was offering him what his heart ultimately yearned for, but... 
He just didn't get it. Hey, this rich young ruler had everything money could buy, the home, the quad, the vacations on the Mediterranean, people to clean up his home, keep his yard nice, but it was all worthless compared to the priceless experience he could have following Jesus. Priceless experiences. Life to the full. Like, think about those uneducated young fishermen, the 12 apostles, whose lives ended brutally, as we saw in that opening video. They, they could have lived all their lives um, safely and securely within a stone's throw of the Sea of Galilee. Instead, they lived the awesome adventure of following Jesus, traveling all over the ancient world, turning it upside down. Think about their three years with Jesus. They went camping, hiking, fishing, sailing with the Son of God. They had box seats to every sermon Jesus preached and hung out with them backstage. They didn't just witness his miracles. They, they filleted the miraculous catch of fish, fried it, and ate it. Peter got to walk on water. Or, or how about drinking water that Jesus turned into wine? That would be awesome. This is what happens when you surrender your life to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. You get life to the full. You, you get life that you never imagined. You, you get the life that you so yearn for. You, you get experiences that, that you just never expected. So how about you? you? You tell me you're in, that you're surrendered. Okay, let me see your calendar or your bank or your credit card statement. They don't lie. How we spend our time and where we invest our money are the two best barometers of our true priorities. Can you imagine what would happen in our city, what might happen in your family if all of us fully surrendered our lives to Jesus, sacrificially giving our time, our talents, and our resources to what Jesus wants to do in our city? Can you imagine how powerful a church could become if we all together chose to die to ourselves, die to being at the center of our lives, and surrender fully to Jesus? But, but on the other hand, it, it is your choice, right? You could choose to be like that rich young ruler, got a good job, you're a good person, faithful, religious, but the truth is you're kind of walking away from Jesus, kind of hoping that he'll follow you and that ain't happening. And all you'll ever eventually become is a rich old ruler having missed out on the life that you could have had that you so desperately want today. I'm calling you to a Copernican revolution where you are no longer at the center of your life, but Jesus is. Where you die to yourself and your selfishness and you allow Jesus to make you fully alive. Some of you, you just need to get out of the boat like Peter. Some of you need to put Isaac on the altar like Abraham. Like what risk do you need to take? What sacrifice do you need to make? What decision do you need to make? What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do? Okay, I want you to do some personal business with God like right now. I'm going to put up a video in a minute, which is really just a space, a bit of time for you to say to Jesus, today I surrender all and, and I really mean it. Today I go all in. And maybe the Spirit of Jesus is asking you to lay something on the altar, maybe time. Maybe finances. Maybe it's the fear of speaking to that coworker about Jesus. Listen for what Jesus is saying to you. And as the video plays, just say yes. Say yes and surrender again. I just urge you to take the next minute or so and say yes to Jesus. I surrender all. I will go all in. And then after we've done that, I will pray for you.
you bow with me for prayer? Father God, I thank you for those people here in person and online who have experienced your tug on their hearts right now and have said, I surrender all. I will go all in for Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and, and empower each of us to fulfill that decision. Come and take the gifts, the talents, the abilities and resources that are gifts from you in the first place and help us to use them to make a big difference in this city and this world where I work and in my home. And for those who are struggling to make a commitment like this, I pray that you, our loving Heavenly Father, would gently speak to their hearts about the good plans you have for their lives, your, your plan to lead them to life to the full, and ultimately your plan to bring us to live with you forever in heaven. Lord God, do a great work in our church in Fort City, building this church into a spirit-empowered family who, who changed the city, who changed where we work, who, who changed our homes for the better. We pray all this. In Jesus' name, amen.